warning. What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described, cannot even be imagined. And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces, it's exactly what you think it is. Pieces, absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. Dan's Driving Double Feature presents Pieces and Pieces, episode 15, a minute-by-minute-ish podcast covering J.P. Simon's early 80s slasher, Pieces. I believe it's episode 15. I think the last episode was 14, right? I put it up on, when I posted I said it was 15, but I'm pretty sure that was 14 and this is 15, so bear with me. This uh, episode is covering minutes, what is it, minutes 54 through 58, it begins with Sylvia Costa, the um, the um, reporter for the Boston Globe, who looks a bit like Stephanie Powers here and there, um, uh, kind of um, beginning to creep around the place where uh, Mary and Kendall just left on Kendall's motorbike. And it ends at, well, we'll find out where it ends at in a little bit. Um, let me um, let me just say that this episode I'm, I'm, I'm recording under a bit of a time crunch. I'm, tr- I'm trying to get in under a certain, uh, 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 before uh, something happens here. So I'm, I'm, I might talk a bit quickly in this one. This episode might be a little shorter. And uh, I, wa- I do want to talk about the music in this one, because I think there's a whole bunch of the Rasa Sangue stuff in it. Or at least one of the tracks at the beginning, and then it segues into another one. But I, I want to just see if i can give you what tracks those are yeah but that will require a little more um time than i have right now so let me play a little something we'll come back i'll talk about it and then uh, maybe when i'm less um hurried i will or harried or flustered i will talk about the music or i'll forget and we'll talk about it in the next uh, episode you know me so here we go listen to this Because this one is recorded under um, slightly um, got to get it done quick circumstance, I know what you're saying. Dan, why don't you record it another time? Because I want to record it now. Because I'm ready to record it now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something I used to, well, I've done before with this, but I've only done a couple of times, I think, on this podcast, is that I actually have it queued up to 53 minutes and one second, the English version. As always, the Spanish version is like one minute ahead. I don't know where that one minute came from. We haven't gone... Maybe it was credits. Maybe maybe the credits took up the extra minute. I don't know what it is. But how, how long have I been saying the Spanish version is one minute ahead? I, I think it's like episode five or six or something. I don't know. At least since episode 14 or 15 or whatever the hell we're talking about now. So this one begins with you see Sylvia Costa. She's walking around. She's in a lovely... Um, uh, dress and she is in a cool leather jacket she looks pretty cool and she's looking around and things are um well i mean there was just a killing you, you have to sort of you have to sort of wonder does she i guess again when is this in relation to the last killing you know was mary out wandering the grounds right in that i mean was first was sylvia following her 
could was Sylvia following her? Now that Sylvia's gone, Mary is kind of uh, now that Mary is gone. I'm sorry, Sylvia is just kind of wandering. Like, well, where do I go now? Well, what do I do now? And of course, the the problem is that the killer with the chainsaw seems to be after Mary or Sylvia. Hey possibly one or the other but but kendall the knight in shining armor who didn't actually do anything but say hi to his kung fu professor uh shows up and saves the day not really uh, but so now sylvia is there in the place where i, I like that in in the previous minute mary was in this spot and she sent something was wrong and the killer was there with the chainsaw shaking bushes and wandering around with the chainsaw holding it out in front of him which looks phallic but in the same respect is also like the way he's holding it like oh crap he's got the chainsaw and then i guess you say oh also it's phallic or or maybe you switch those i don't know it's up to you it's your choice on that but i do like the the fact that in the previous minute it was mary in that exact same spot looking like she was going to be threatened mary got on a motorbike drove out of that spot and now another woman is in the same spot and it looks like she's going to be threatened and she she she's poking around and she hears uh shaking the bushes boss the boss the 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 bushes are shaking and yep the the killer is still there and the killer has his chainsaw and sylvia is there and um I mean, I applaud uh, the reporter going after the big story. The problem, of course, with Sylvia is that we haven't really... We saw for, what, 30 seconds in the police station and then 30 more seconds um, and out, uh, after the tennis match. So it's not like she's the most well-developed of characters. She... Um, she so, so so we get, a, we get about a minute into this these four minutes here and she goes inside the building, whatever the building is. It It doesn't look like any sort of college type building to me but then i'm not going to argue and then you get the big phallic chainsaw and i'm sure we're all laughing and having a great time and it is it is kind of funny because she shuts the door and then you all of a sudden see this like this big you know peeny type thing just kind of like come into the frame and it's the killer holding the chainsaw but you wouldn't want him holding it over his shoulder or something like that that would just look that might be funny, actually. But it's the killer. You know, it's the killer. He's out and he's got his chainsaw. But the chainsaw does look smaller than you'd imagine in the shadow, which is a little weird. So then we head inside. And forgive me for for those of you, like I said, for those of you who have heard my previous Minute by Minutes, every once in a while I do this just because there's... What, what happens in this minute is... Uh, Sylvia sneaks around for a bit, goes into the room with the waterbed that we heard about earlier, and then she's stabbed to death in the waterbed. Then we have a brief sequence with Kendall and Mary at Ken and Mary's room, and then um, I don't even remember his name. You know his name, um, the the nerdy friend of Kendall's with the glasses, who who um, who uh, is is talked to by the police too. I forget his name, Herbert. I don't remember his name. He shows up briefly, and then the minute ends back in that apartment space, approaching that like freezer door that the killer puts all the body parts in. That's what the minute is. There really isn't a lot that goes on per se. So when there isn't a lot that goes on per se, I like to kind of go through sort of bit by bit, because when you do that, you catch the bits that you may have missed so anyway so sylvia yeah sylvia now is apparently in this space and it's a really nice a lot of wood paneling it looks like um it looks sort of like a club that like mycroft Holmes or someone would hang out 
in. It looks like a very um, prestigious place. And, and in fact, she walked into the pool room, the billiard room, and there's a there's a table, and there's a I don't know if it if it's symbolic that there's like the one white cue ball is sitting sort of near the edge of the of the uh, the pool table, and there's some I don't know. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't it doesn't look very American to me. But then I don't understand Boston colleges. I've said that many times before. So something is happening here, and Sylvia is. And I just here's the thing. I'm, you know, I'm going through the, the, as we're going along, I've got the remote in my hand, the Blu-ray's playing, and I just dropped the friggin' uh, remote. So yeah, Cecilia's now in the pool hall space, and she's sneaking around, and it's, it's a nice spot. I do love the, look, look when she, when she walks by the pool table, look to the upper left, and there are two, like, Amityville horror, Suspiria, Dario Argento-style windows shining, like, bright red which I really flip and love. And the p- the pool room is kind of just a it's it's a weird room because it's it looks just like it looks like a connecting room. It looks like oh you 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 walk in, you step through this door and then you go in through this door. It looks like a connecting room. And um uh, so she she steps into the next room and you know that you know the killer is there. Oh and she, we get this really weird hallway and somewhere in there you get these I I wish we could spend more time with these two red windows. I feel like that's where all the killing happens. That's where the blood of the children is spilt. But but basically, you see, so sort of Sylvia walk down a, down a hallway, and somewhere around here, she will have a a moment, a great J.P. Simon moment, where she looks through a window, in the same way that the killer looked through the um the dance room windows. You just see like a little square of her face, and then she throws open the door. And then it cuts to the chainsaw with some blood on it sitting on a bench. And you think, well, how could the chainsaw have got there? Well, he must have two chainsaws because there's because that's a contained room. So there's no way he could have got past her into the contained room, set the chainsaw down. And so she shuts the door. And then the moment she shuts the door, you realize he's in the room and he has a huge knife and everything you just thought. You just throw it out the window. It's not going to make any sense. This is pieces. Just let it ride. There's another, just in the same way that there was another door into that dancing room where the, where the gal got her, you know, the arms gal, you know, was. Uh, this room must have another way in. It looks like a sauna like room or something like that i can't imagine what it is i mean if if there was like a a pool recreation room and then she walks into a thin hallway and then you open up a door it looks like a sauna room to me doesn't it i mean what else would it be i mean it's not it's not like a study room or anything the pool if there was a billiard room right there i mean does that make sense i don't know does this pieces does anything make sense no no it doesn't yeah so she wanders a bit uh wanders around a bit more and she does go into well let's talk about i guess let's let's okay here we go again i I don't profess to understand the way this building works but she goes in that one room it's a tiny room she goes in the next room she opens the door and then she's kind of like opening another door and going into another room that has huge it looks like a garage there's a brick wall and then there's like a huge space where like um uh all the um uh, the, the, it, it looks like um like an entrance, almost like a boarding, like a like a loading dock or something uh, that they happen to put a waterbed in. Hello, callback. You all remember the waterbed? It's a really weird thing because she walks in and you see the brick wall and then you see the waterbed and you see this strange little bench thing and then you see like one of the walls is like an entranceway. You know that looks like it it opens it closes. I don't know, but then a light goes on behind and she goes nuts and then 
the killer finds another door. The killer comes in through another door that we, we've never been in the room before. The killer comes in through a door that is sort of on the same axis where the camera was. So I guess that's okay, but he sticks the door in the wall and, and pulls her coat off. She got a cool coat. The I will say, and she, she ends up on the waterbed, and uh, she does a real great like kung fu kick where she knocks the knife out of his hand, but then he picks it up fairly quickly and begins to stab her to death. Slashers? Slashers were, I would say, because John Carpenter was a Dara Gento fan, I believe, slashers come from... Not that I'm saying Halloween is a full-on slasher. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. You, If you've heard me talk about slashers, you're going like, oh, what? But um, slashers come from Giallo. And to me, this killing is a Giallo killing. The completely black-hatted, mask-coated, gloved killer with a huge knife stabbing a screaming woman in, in front of a, this, this brick wall and this strange wall with all the lights coming through the frosted glass as she's getting stabbed on a waterbed. So sometimes the blade hits her and sometimes it hits the waterbed and water goes all over the place and it mixes up there. And it's just, it's to me, it's a very, very giallo killing. Uh, par- part of that being um, in slashers, generally killings aren't, this expansive generally killings are well look at friday the 13th i mean throat slits axe and head you know cut away before something happens this that and the other you know halloween well you, you oh strangling is one thing but generally you get like a stab or two and you're dead but this is a full-on to me giallo sequence this is jp simon doing a little um, Bava, doing a little Argento, doing a little Martino, whoever your favorite Giallo fella is. And uh, I think I think it's a great scene. I mean, it is gory and it is unpleasant and watching her scream and watch just watching her face, her bloody face, fa- I was going to say bloody face flailing and that became bloody flace. Blood her bloody face flailing around and like like the moment where like she's flailing around like the killer seems to have fallen down or something next to that waterbed and then he kind of gets up slowly and then sort of spins her around and stabs her in a very fulci style i mean this is the year of house by the cemetery where that poor gal i think is, is the same gal who spits up her guts in gates of hell she um she gets um she gets a stab through the, you know, the the head and the, the, the blade comes out of her mouth. I, I could be getting that wrong. But the same thing happens here. Poor Sylvia Costa, the, the death blow is is the blade to the back of the head and it comes out her mouth. And um, she's dead and the killer drags her away and there's water everywhere. And it's, um, you always get the feeling when you look at the floor that they were like, they thought something like this might happen to the waterbed, so that's why we put that here. You know, if the kids are going to use it, they're going to be crazy on it. It's a crazy room. I don't know where the hell it is. I guess it's, it's obviously on the ground floor because she hasn't gone any steps, So and it's obviously on the other side of whatever this building is. I don't know. I'd love to know what's beyond those doors or whatever the heck they are that, that are where the light is shining in on her. Yeah, and the killer pulls her... Um, her her off the um her off the waterbed and of course the thing you notice is that when the killer 
kill her when the kill her when the killer pushed her on the waterbed she was wearing now i'm no expert although i love them she was wearing stock stockings um she was wearing like a panty like um like, like, like almost like white pantyhose or something like you could see it and, and especially on the high def when she hits the bed you could see that she's wearing pantyhose like all full up pantyhose up to the waist but then when he's stabbing her in the end and he pulls her off the bed her pantyhose are gone which has to be the most astounding thing about this scene how did she lose her pantyhose i have no idea but they vanish halfway through the scene not not something that i would have noticed i think on the old vhs or dvd but something i notice here am i a perv Whew, i don't know that's your call that really is your call um my job is to to look closely at things and see what's going on um and i will say is that a single waterbed by the way it's a very small waterbed they talk about effing around on a waterbed but that seems a very small waterbed it doesn't even seem like a waterbed to me it seems like a um like a tub that they put a cloth over the top of some water or something like or like they, they it seems like a giant water balloon like like maybe um um willard's going to um play you have a water balloon toss with another giant guy and this is the his water balloon or something but yeah she and you, you could tell too i mean when she when she falls back onto the bed her her legs are sort of um white silver not not silver the sort of white but when he's pulling her off the bed she's got very tan legs she has very nice legs i know she's dead and that makes me horrible but i have to pay attention to the details folks that's the way it works may i just tell you i've never i've never um i've slept on a water bed a couple times but i never had a water bed I mean, my stepdad, when my mom first met him back around 83, 84, had a waterbed. And my friend Eric Zeidel throughout high school, until his bedroom went from the second floor to the attic, uh, he had a waterbed. And a waterbed was very strange because he, he was the guy who was, he was the guy, he, he, Eric, I've, ta- I've talked about Eric before uh, on some of these podcasts. He was the one who, you know how much I love horror movies and everything, but I was, uh, up until late 87, I was so scared to watch them. I was 14. I was terrified of the dark and I could not watch horror films. I had Phil Hart's Encyclopedia of Horror Movies. I had the Psychotronic Encyclopedia of Film. I had all these film, horror film books, but I couldn't watch them because they scared me too much. And he was the one, Eric was the one who, it was a horror horror fanatic. He had his own Freddy glove. He had his own coffin. Um, and he lent me Jason Lives, which I watched and loved. Then he lent me Evil Dead 1 and 2. And I knew they were rough going because I read I had Joe Bob Goes to the Drive-In. And I watched one and was like, if I can watch this, I can watch anything. Now, that's not true. But at the time, I felt it was true. And that kept me watching stuff and sort of somewhere around there my stigma and i was able to stop my fear of the dark i've told you guys and gals that too that's where i went down into the cedar closet in the middle of the night on a saturday when no one was home in the house and i sat in the pitch blackness until i was no longer scared and so um i was able to shed my fear of the dark and then watch horror movies and the thing was eric was the guy who hooked me up with all the horror movies i would go over to his place and come on up we'd sit you know we'd go into his room and it was really a a mess and um but he had all the fangories and he had the gore zones and he had all the horror films and he would rent them and make copies on a beta and lend them to me but i spent so much time sitting on the edge of his waterbed 
And the thing with waterbeds, if you're sitting on the edge of the waterbed with a friend and you're talking, you're getting to it, and then suddenly you fall on the waterbed. It's like you're like, whoa, hey, I just want to, whoa, hey, I'm over here now. What's happening? Hey, now I got, hey, and it's just like, I got to sit up. And it's just like, it's awkward is what I'm saying. And um, I hope that water was warm where Sylvia got killed. And um, hey, it's a, it's a prestigious school. Maybe they just they just kept it heated. I don't know. But I hate to think she died in um, freezing cold water. But that's my waterbed story. I don't really have a, that wasn't really a waterbed story. I don't have a waterbed story. I, th- I think I've slept on a waterbed twice in my life. They always look like so much fun to me. But they also always seemed like I mean that was because there's the wooden frame around. Now this doesn't seem to have a wooden frame around. That that's why it doesn't seem like a waterbed to me. It seems like a scientific experiment. Look at look at the frame. It was a wooden frame around it. And you would like have these wooden shelves there um, at the headboard. And it just seemed like a very different, it seemed like a kind of swinging lifestyle that I wasn't a part of at the age of 12. So, waterbed, Sylvia, we love you. Let me finish this up because I got to finish this up. So, Sylvia's dragged out of the waterbed and we get Kendall dropping Mary off at her, um, her place. And... And she goes into her place and says, you know, you really saved my life tonight. And she gives him a very European kiss on the cheeks thing. Um, and again, I will ask, in what way did he save her life? The guy, She had already knocked the guy out when Kendall showed up. And in fact, she said that Kendall's motorbike was more terrifying than helpful because it sounded like a chainsaw. So I'm not sure what she's talking about. I'm not sure if we're meant to forget the uh, dialogue in the Spanish is, is pretty much similar to the dialogue in the English here. So are we meant to forget what's going on? But yeah, obviously Kendall is like, hey, Mary, you going to make some coffee? And and Mary, Mary gives Kendall a series of looks. Why do I love Linda Day George? Uh, she gives a series of looks. Watch when he says, hey, Mary, aren't you making coffee? Look at the series of looks from when she stops and looks at him to when she gets the smile on her face and says another time. She goes through like, what? Leave me alone. Don't you know Christopher George is in here? Um, what are you asking me? Oh, you're sweet. Well, I guess you did save my life. Maybe another time. I love. She goes through all these faces in a second, and luckily you don't have to, you know, look at Kendall's face um, while all this is happening, which I love. But she shuts the door, and it's all over. And I don't know. She seems to live in a room. I don't know. Um, uh, it's it's. I, I guess they could have given her a better place, but she more or less seems to live in a room. And then we get probably the favorite moment of this. Um, Kendall turns, and there's um, a horrible. Um, eyeless creature that turns out to be his chubby friend with the glasses who actually stops after he takes off the mask and puts the glasses on so we are reminded that yes it is that guy and in Spanish and English he says Casanova and goes like a <laughs> through his through his hand I'm not 100% sure what he's doing but he scares the heck out of Kendall I love the fact that um, this scene with Kendall and Mary began with Kendall being in the exact right making love to a gal because because Kendall makes love. He gets out of the bed, looks out the window, sees Mary, meets up with Mary, brings Mary back to her place, and as he's leaving, what presumably is some sort of teacher's, professor's, something or other's dormitory, his friend, in the middle of the night, is there to, with the mask on, blowing the raspberry at him and laughing at him. And 
it's si- it's it's Simon, baby. I was gonna say it's pieces, but it's Simon. It really is Simon. If you've seen other J.P. Simon films, this is the way his films work, and that's why they're that's why they're beauties, baby. So, and then the minute ends with you hear the heavy breathing, and we go through this kind of nice um, sort of apartment or living room or whatever the heck it is, and and the minute ends with the um, the um, the uh, our our favorite hooded friend going into that special place, wherever the hell that is, where the um, where the uh, the the freezer, the big freezer is, and you keep expecting like if there's a window that like Lucille Ball will look out through the window and she'll be frozen, but she doesn't. It's just him, and he opens the door, and the minute ends with him swinging the door open and apparently dragging stuff in. And um, I yeah, I'm I'm, t- I'm trying to call the end of this minute here because we're stopping at 58, so 57, 58, 59, 58. You see for a split second a naked, bloody woman hanging there. We'll talk more about her in the next minute. But that is this minute. I want to talk about the music briefly, but I have to stop real quick right here. I will get right back to you. Hold on. Three, two, one. So I dove into the music on this to check it out, and it's all I think it's all Rasa Sangwe. Uh, horrible, Anthropovagus 2, Monster Hunter. Um, pff, absurd. Uh, which, like uh, I think mentioned earlier, is out on a really nice blue from Severn that includes the entire soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. It's one of my favorite uh, soundtracks uh, from Italian films around this time alongside, say, like, Cannibal Holocaust. And uh, But it's not as sad as Cannibal Holocaust. It doesn't have the melancholy that Cannibal Holocaust has. But, yeah, so that's where this music is from. I thought I'd come up with more, but it's like they, they sort of play one of the themes and then it sort of segues when the chainsaw is seen and the killer is there in that little room into another of the the rasa sangue themes so and um to be honest i forgot what the spanish one was playing probably some variation of that piano thing it's been doing over and over again now you'll be okay we'll be okay hey someone listening go listen to that <laughs> tell me what's i'm sorry i'm in a bit of a rush still i thought i was gonna have more time but I don't, unfortunately. But I think I think this is a good episode. Maybe I don't know. Is isn't that great? You when what you want is when you get to the end of a podcast episode. Is you want the person who created the episode to tell you that this was a good episode? That's the way it works. That's the way it should be. So this was episode fifteen of Pieces and Pieces. We are up to minute fifty-eight. We have twenty-seven, twenty-eight minutes left. And, and frankly, we're kind of on the verge of, of barreling towards the end here. We're, we're, we're close to another killing, and then the, the, the ending of the film is... Uh, you'll find out soon. So, but thank you everyone so much for listening, and be good to yourselves, be safe, be well. I'll be back with uh, Minute 59 and Beyond with Episode 16. Listen to this.